You're listening to the Disney One by One podcast, a chronological look at every Disney animated classic and beyond. Here's your host, Mike Rolfing. Hello and welcome to Disney One by One. This week we're talking about Tarzan from 1999. It is the 37th movie on the list. And remember, you can check us out all over the internet at Disney1x1. And please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And subscribe. I never I never say subscribe. And uh, we'll read your reviews here on the show. With me, as always, today is my brother David Rolfing. David, welcome back to Disney One by One. Hello, Mike. Thanks for having me back. This movie, as I mentioned on the Little Mermaid episode, has some special places in my, my Disney heart. So I'm uh, excited to talk about it. It is in your heart. Yes. Always. <laughs> Always. And joining us today, first time guest, where are you in the world right now? I'm in Colorado Springs, Colorado. All right. From Colorado Springs, Colorado, Kanan Smith. Kanan, welcome to Disney One by One. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. So, Kanan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, my name is Kanan Smith. I uh, am a big fan of movies and music and Disney especially. And uh Went to school for movies and like to talk about them a lot, so I'm glad to be here. And you're, uh, you know, David from college, is that right? Kind yes. of, sort of indirectly. <laughs> well, David, what's the story behind that? <laughs> David and I directly lived together for a short amount of time in in the college years. So yeah, so it was, okay. it was a great time. Yeah, Kanan was living in the hostel just just for the lulls, even though he wasn't actually going to the University of Tulsa. <laughs> it was a blast. Got it. Were you living illegally in the hostel? Yeah. I think it was fairly illegal, but... <laughs> I mean, I lived illegally in campus housing senior year, like, and I was going to the school. It was not hard to get away with living at the hostel without being recorded by housing. De- definitely not, as I proved. Does this, need, does this need to be removed from the episode? <laughs> I graduated. I'm good. <laughs> I never was a student, so it doesn't matter to me. And Kanan, you are in the process of building a recording studio, right? That is correct. Uh, in Monument, Colorado. So kind of in the middle of Denver and Colorado Springs. It's going to be uh, a full working recording studio and film photography studio as well. I think we were on a doing a hostile discourse episode or something when we originally were talking and you said you wanted to come on the Tarzan episode because of Phil Collins, basically. <laughs> Yes, I really enjoy the Phil Collins soundtrack in Tarzan. It's probably it's probably my favorite part about the the movie. Cool. So, Kanan, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your Disney history? What's your earliest Disney memory? My earliest Disney memory is watching the film Pinocchio on VHS um, as a kid and having the the big white plastic VHS case that kind of like squeaks as you open it (laughs) and uh, popping it in and just, and really just kind of being taken away on this journey with Pinocchio and off to Pleasure Island. And I could watch the same movie over and over and over again. And I had a handful of the Disney VHS as a kid and just really fell in love with them. And then, um, to also see those same stories come to life somewhere like Disneyland or Disney World was always very captivating for me. And also definitely was inspiring to me 
in my choice to pursue filmmaking and music later on in my life. So did you go to the theme parks much growing up? Yes, I, I was born in L.A., and I had family that was in California when I was growing up. And so I was back in California quite a bit, going to Disneyland quite a bit when I was a kid. Yeah, it was always, I always had a blast. And even into my teenage and adult years, I've I've had fun there. Although I, you know, have maybe lately kind of the last time I went there and spent a ton of money, I kind of maybe decided that I was not going to do it for a while. But didn't you date a girl that you met in line at Disney World? <laughs> I did not really. No, no, not didn't. Really date <laughs> but yes, kind of. No, not really. What ride was it? It was the Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs ride. The roller coaster? Yeah. It was on Super Bowl Sunday, and my family had all left to watch the Super Bowl, and I was left alone at Disney. And so I happened to meet this girl who was also alone in the line for the ride, and I talked to her, and we talked for a while. That's it. Nice. Okay. Well, it seems like you don't want to talk about that. So how about your top five favorite Disney movies? Yeah, it was, oh man, it was really hard to put this together, but I do have a bit of a nostalgic list and then also kind of some movies that I would still to this day really, really enjoy watching. Um, number one is definitely Pinocchio. It was the first one that really stuck with me and just kind of really loved it as a kid. And then number two is kind of the same thing. Peter Pan, big time fan of that when I was growing up. Also a big time fan of the Peter Pan ride at Disney, even though it's always got like the longest line, which is kind of funny because it's like a... And it only, it only lasts like two minutes. Yeah, it's like a two minute little kid's ride, but that's, that's great. Number three, first movie I ever saw in theaters, though I don't remember it, The Lion King. Great. Another one that I love the music on. And then four, I've got Emperor's New Groove. It's definitely different from the, the previous movies, but love watching it. Laugh my head off every time I do. And then number five, Mulan. Really solid. Really list. love Mulan, yeah. So which one of those is your favorite, Pinocchio? Uh, yeah, Pinocchio for sure. No Tarzan on the list. I thought that tar- thought Tarzan no, was your favorite. So, well, I, I really like the music in Tarzan, and that's probably like what, what you know draws me to it the most. I right. am personally interested in film composition and film scoring. And honestly, beyond the uh, the Phil Collins tracks, the music in Tarzan is is really good and impactful and adds to the excitement and the intensity of so much of that movie. Yeah, Mark Mancina. I think you're the first person to have Pinocchio on their top five, actually. Really? Yeah. That surprises me. I mean, Pinocchio just seems like such a, cl- a classic Disney movie to me. We thought it was pretty weird. <laughs> I think it is a little weird. There's definitely some interesting ideas there, kidnapping little boys and taking them to an island. Pleasure Island. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I interviewed Rob Minkoff, the director of Lion King. If you haven't heard that yet, go back and listen to it. And he listed Pinocchio as his favorite as well. So something about it. Mm, great minds. All right. And with that, we'll move on to Tarzan. And now our feature presentation. It's no gorilla. It's not our kind. Tarzan! In in 1912, the October issue of All Story magazine, my grandfather created a legend in Tarzan. And in reading this book, it was incredible, the Tarzan he described. 
This Tarzan moves and acts and thinks like an animal. He's like a, a genius of adaptation. He takes a, a movement from a leopard. He takes a movement from a gibbon. He can imitate the movement of a serpent. And no actor could move like that. It's not humanly possible. We would kill any live action actor who was trying to do the things that our animated Tarzan was doing. This was a character that could only be realized the way Burroughs imagined it in animation. Moves like an ape, but looks like a man. He could be the missing link. The original incarnation of Tarzan was a 1912 book called Tarzan of the Apes by Edgar Rice Burroughs. It was the first in a series of books that created this Tarzan character. Disney's Tarzan was uh, was started by a guy named Thomas Schumacher, who was the president of feature animation at the time. He was surprised there had never been an animated version of Tarzan before in any capacity that they could find. And so he thought it was a no-brainer. We should do this. A guy named Kevin Lima was brought on board to direct. He was hot off the Goofy movie. He brought on his friend Chris Buck as co-director. And Chris Buck went on to... Frozen, Tarzan, Surf's Up, Home on the Range, Pocahontas. All right. So he did Frozen. And he did Tarzan. So Chris Buck came on, and by April 1995, the Tarzan movie was in the beginning stages of development. They brought on Tab Murphy, who helped write Hunchback, to help write this movie. Murphy created the villain character of Clayton. Clayton wasn't in the book. That was a new character created for this movie. In January 97, two people, Bob Tzdiker and Noni White, were brought on to help finish the script, and they brought on another guy named Dave Reynolds, who was brought on strictly to add comedy. To prepare for animating gorillas, the animation team attended lectures on primates, they made trips to the zoo, they studied nature documentaries, and they even witnessed a gorilla dissection, I guess at a university somewhere, to learn about their internal musculature. In 96, they took a two-week trip to Kenya and to Uganda to visit gorillas in the wild and to get inspiration for the setting of the movie. Casting. Brendan Fraser auditioned multiple times for the role of Tarzan, which is hilarious because he ended <laughs> up being George of the Jungle. But the role ultimately went to Tony Goldwyn. I'm not really sure who that is. I think he's still an actor. He did the voice of Tarzan, but he could not nail that iconic yelling sound. And so Brian Blessed, who did the voice of Clayton, is actually the yelling voice of Tarzan. Ah. Interesting. Kind of random, because he could pull it off. The character of Turk was originally going to be a male character, but Rosie O'Donnell auditioned, and they decided to change Turk into a female because of that voice. Woody Allen was the original voice of Tantor the Elephant, but Jeffrey Katzenberg, who we've talked about on the show, who had relatively recently left Disney to start DreamWorks, lured Woody Allen away, promising him four movies to be distributed by DreamWorks if he did a voice of a character in Ants, the that Bugs Life rival. And so Woody Allen left Tarzan to go do a voice as an ants at DreamWorks, lured away by former Disney chairman Jeffrey Katzenberg. Quite the rivalry going on there. And then Jane was voiced by Minnie Driver. Anyway, production of this movie, this is really interesting. They had a team of animators in Paris and in California. They had opened a satellite studio in France. And for some reason, they decided to have people in both locations work on this movie 6,000 miles apart with a crazy time difference like glenn Keane, who animated tarzan was in paris and ken duncan the guy who animated jane was in california how that goes together i have no idea they had some sort of system they called a scene machine where they could send each other rough drawings back and forth it's probably just like fax machine i don't really know like i said glenn Keane animated tarzan he's 
one of the top Disney animators of all time. He did Ariel and Little Mermaid. He did The Beast in Beauty and the Beast, I believe. I might be getting confused, but he's one of the, the best, and he did Tarzan. He originally thought Tarzan would be pretty easy because he doesn't wear any clothes. He's just wearing a loincloth, and I guess clothes are hard to animate, but realized he would have to make a fully functioning human musculature to make this realistic. And they studied all sorts of animals because Tarzan's definitely a combination of monkeys and leopards and humans, and that character is quite the complex, has quite the complex motion. They even talked to a professor of anatomy to figure out the best way to animate Tarzan. This resulted in Tarzan being the first Disney character to accurately display working muscles. Because every other character was like, has clothing on. Clothes. Huh, that's interesting. So they wouldn't have to like specifically animate muscles. To create the sweeping, impressive 3D backgrounds in this movie, the production team developed a brand new 3D painting and rendering technique they called Deep Canvas. They basically were able to like paint in 3D space, but it would look like it was hand-drawn, but they would do it in computers. And for this for this development of this deep canvas technology, they won an Oscar, a special technical Academy Award for that. The music, which I'm sure we'll talk much more about soon. Early into production, the directors, Kevin Lima and Chris Buck, decided not to follow Disney's musical tradition by having characters sing. They were quoted as saying, I just couldn't see this half-naked man sitting on a branch breaking out into song. That would be ridiculous, end quote. So instead, they brought on Phil Collins to perform the songs in the film, basically serving as the narrator of the movie. Tarzan was dubbed into 35 different languages, and Phil Collins recorded his songs in French, Italian, German, and Spanish. What? That's crazy. There's actually, if you, if you just go on YouTube and search Tarzan behind the scenes, there's like a three-part YouTube thing, and you can see him singing in a bunch of different languages. Wow. As we mentioned earlier, the instrumental scoring of the film was composed by Mark Mancina, who I believe he recently did Moana. What else has he done? He worked on The Lion King to help out Hans Zimmer. Mancina, yeah, Lion King, Brother Bear, Haunted Mansion, Moana. Yeah, it's done some good stuff. Tarzan 2. Tarzan 2. <laughs> Mancina and Collins worked very closely together to create the music for this movie that would kind of complement the film's location. They used a bunch of very obscure instruments from Mancina's personal collection to create the sound of this movie. The movie Tarzan premiered June 12, 1999 at the El Capitan Theater in Hollywood. The cast and filmmakers were in attendance and Phil Collins put on a 40 minute long concert uh, after the movie. So that was fun. On July 23rd, 1999, Disney launched a digital projection release of Tarzan in three theaters. It was the first to ever be produced digitally, mastered digitally, and projected digitally. Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, was screened digitally in a few places, but they actually shot that on film. There were many, many toys and things created for this movie for marketing purposes, including one called the Rad Repeatin' Tarzan action figure, which was discontinued. I learned a new word from this. It was discontinued after complaints regarding the toy's onanistic arm motions. Do you guys know what that word means? Nope. I can guess. Yeah, you can guess. We can <laughs> we can let it be. And you can uh, just go on YouTube and search the rad repeating Tarzan action figure, and you'll see precisely why it was removed from shelves. I just sent you the link. <laughs> what, is that what is it supposed to be doing? <laughs> like, what the heck? Beating his chest? No, it's not anywhere close to his chest. Uh, Maybe like out of the box, he like grabs a vine. I don't know. It's I weird. don't know. It's it's funny. This, the video on YouTube has three million views, and it's just Tarzan inside of the box. They're pressing the button, and he's moving his arm. Like 
Oh my gosh. Uh, and they had Happy Meal toys at McDonald's, so there you go. This movie ultimately made $448 million. It was a huge success and still has like an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, so critically acclaimed and made a lot of money. And it won an Oscar for Phil Collins for You'll Be In My Heart. It won a Best Original Song. And he also won a Grammy for Best Soundtrack Album, which I assume went to Mangina as well. There was a spin-off animated series called The Legend of Tarzan. David, did you watch that? Uh, of course I did. Okay, David watched every Disney Channel show growing up. <laughs> there was a Broadway, a short-lived Broadway show version of this. I actually saw it. There's a big outdoor amphitheater in St. Louis where every summer they put on Broadway shows and they had Tarzan a few years ago. It was cool. At the parks, there's Tarzan's Treehouse, which is formerly the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse at Disneyland. Okay, I think the one in Florida is still, yeah. still called Swiss Family Robinson. And the one in California is Tarzan's. Yeah. And then there was a show at Disney's Animal Kingdom, I'm not sure what it was replaced by, called Tarzan Rocks, which I also highly recommend going on YouTube and watching because it is classic 90s Disney, I guess early 2000s. It is a super corny rock and roll show. The guy doesn't even sound like Phil Collins singing. I don't think he's supposed to. And there's like guys skating around on rollerblades and people swinging around on vines. It actually looks kind of fun. Like it'd be kind of fun in person. But it's sort of just a quick like 20 minute recap of the of the movie. And then as I've mentioned a long time ago, Super Bowl. What number was the Super Bowl? Super Bowl 34 was on ABC, which means Disney controlled it. And they, they produced the halftime show, which they'd actually done quite a bit. But this one was at the turn of the century and there was when they were having the big millennium celebration at the parks especially at epcot and this halftime show features basically the music from the reflections of earth fireworks at epcot yeah it's pretty awesome welcome to the e-trade super bowl 34 halftime show and now we take you to the walt disney world resort in florida where a year-long millennium celebration is taking place hi everybody here in florida we're celebrating the future hand in hand <laughs> And halfway through, Phil Collins comes on stage and starts singing Tarzan songs. (laughs) I'm pretty sure he's lip syncing. Oh, they're all lip syncing. And there's an entire orchestra there. And there's no way they're mic'd. It is all completely fake. Even, yeah, it has like, there are like a hundred drummers playing snare drums at one point and they were not synced up at all with the song. And there's a massive choir and like an orchestra that's like way bigger than the one you'd actually see like live at the symphony. And they're all like in white coattails. And I don't think a single one of them is actually being heard through the, through the TV feed. And as someone who knows this music very, very well, it is too precisely accurate to what like the recording is that you can buy on the Epcot soundtrack that there's, it's just, it's all fake. Yeah. And Christina Aguilera and Enrique Enrique Iglesias are there and they are clearly lip syncing as well. The future is coming. You gotta catch it if you can. The magic's unfolding. And you can hold it in your hand. But it's pretty fantastic. I recommend checking out the Super Bowl 34 halftime show featuring songs from Tarzan. <laughs> Could you imagine if, like, this year at the Super Bowl, they did, like, Frozen 2? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's so different than it used than, than it used to be. Wow. Wholesome. Yeah, and, and then Justin Timberlake came out a few years later and 
We got Nipplegate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, anyway, David and or Kanan, any any fun facts to contribute to this history before we move on? The only thing I wanted to mention is there's a huge list of Tarzan movies that have been made. 57, 57 Tarzan movies. A lot of them are like super old, like in the 60s. Yeah. Yes, a lot, a lot in the 60s, 50s, 40s even. But this property has been remade and remade over and over again. There's even one in 2016 by Warner Bros., which I didn't know existed until researching it today. It actually has a pretty great cast. Margot Robbie. Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz and Mace Windu. Yeah, I never saw that. It doesn't have very good reviews, but all the people in the comments of the trailer are like, this movie was actually really good. I don't know why I got such bad reviews. Okay, Kanan, Tarzan, you've talked about, I've talked a little bit about how much you like this movie, or at least the music. What's your history with this movie? Have you seen it a lot? Did you watch a lot as a kid? When was the last time you had seen it until yesterday? The last time I had seen it until yesterday was probably about five or six years ago. Um, And I had only, I watched it maybe a handful of times as a kid. I never, I didn't own this movie but it always did stick out to me for the for the music, and I always just the the music was so catchy that it you know I always knew that side of it. Watching it yesterday, I was just I was really blown away by the the intensity of it, how fast and how quick it kind of moved, and the action, how good it was, and how kind of like the themes were the themes and even the imagery was a little bit darker than what you would expect from other Disney movies. And so I was really, I was really kind of impressed and taken on a ride again yesterday. David, what's your Tarzan history? This is definitely one of the Disney movies I've seen more than others. The last time I watched it was back in like February. Danny, my wife had a surgery and I remember we watched it when she's recovering from that surgery. It's kind of like a our go-to really enjoy it just kind of like our comfort disney movie for us we (laughs) also watched it on like the first time we hung out just the two of us in our parents basement we watched tarzan i don't know why like (laughs) we didn't have netflix at that point it wasn't on netflix it i guess we had the dvd i don't know maybe it's just on tv but tarzan is a special movie for my wife and I, I remember I put a bunch of these songs on like CDs I gave her in high school and stuff. <laughs> so I've always really enjoyed the soundtrack, especially Phil Collins music. But I mean, as Kanan said, this, this movie goes through some really intense scenes. Um, at the beginning, I get, we'll get into it, but a dying baby monkey. <laughs> and then Clayton is seriously evil by the end of this movie. I don't remember where I had it in my top 10 on the first episode, but it was in there somewhere. By the end of this, it'll be it'll be up there on my list. I need to add something to my Tarzan history. Sure. I had a Tarzan video game on PlayStation 1 that was so challenging as a child. It, equally exciting as kind of the movie does have these fast-paced moving, like swinging through the vines and everything you can imagine in video game form. It was really fun, and it did draw me more to the movie and the music i didn't play that one but i definitely remember going to tarzan world on kingdom hearts and tarzan is like your guide taking you through those levels but i didn't play this the ps1 game looks like a side scroller yeah apparently there are five different tarzan video games so there you go fun fact 
So my history with this movie, similar to David's, but no, not really, because my wife and I did not watch this together. <laughs> we we grew up with this movie in the house for sure. It had been a long time since I'd seen it, though I had I did see the the Broadway version on the stage relatively recently, so the songs were somewhat fresh. And David, you used to jam out to these songs a lot in the basement on drums. Really? Yeah, I remember when you were learning how to play drums. Which which side note, David Rolfing. <laughs> legitimately learned how to play drums by playing rock band in our basement like the video game this is true because that is the one instrument that actually can kind of teach you how to do it correctly yeah the hands different than the foot hitting everything at the right time like actually can transition over to a real drum set and david has become a fairly decent drummer from playing rock band kudos to you dave <laughs> yeah i i don't specifically remember playing tarzan songs but i can believe it because i have i've had it on my itunes library for a long time yeah i remember multiple times you rocking out to like two worlds in the basement <laughs> oh my gosh i love that there is some good percussion meanwhile i'm very good on the bass on rock band but i cannot play bass in real life so yeah it does not translate um, what was i saying yeah we watch this a lot growing up I and mean, this came out when I was 99 would have been sixth grade, seventh grade. Certainly a good movie for that age. A lot of action, a lot of adventure. And so uh, we'll talk about that now. Okay, Kanan, you've watched this movie. You gave me a li- you gave us a little bit of your your initial reaction, but what else what else came to mind, or what else did you notice in watching this movie again for the first time in a while? Okay, so just to kind of like touch on the darker themes and something that's kind of like right in the first three minutes of the movie. First of all, how awesome the story is set up in those first three minutes, and how much context is provided is is kind of unreal. When Kala walks into the treehouse. And you see the parents' dead bodies with the blood. I completely forgot that that was in the movie. Yeah, I was like, whoa, I didn't recall seeing that as a kid and didn't really pick up on how kind of intense that was. Obviously, it's pretty well implied, even if you don't notice the bodies, they are a little bit darker. Just noticing that and then noticing how it does double down on a shot that just pretty much features like bloody footprints that was kind of interesting and i was kind of interested to see that in a disney film um also then at the end when tarzan and clayton are fighting and uh you know clayton is ends up hanging and you see the silhouette of him hanging it's just kind of (laughs) it's just kind of dark and intense and i like it a lot i really enjoyed it it seems it seems more adult in tone yeah definitely David, what are your what are some more of your initial observations? Um, I noticed some of the, th- the same things as Kanan, but I don't know. I just really like how the movie is just paced in general. It's an hour and a half long, which is on the longer end of the movies we've seen so far on this podcast. But it doesn't feel like that full hour and a half. It's paced so well that um, it went really it went really quickly for me even though I've seen it a bunch of times too. That's one positive. Um, I like how like the first half of the movie, the villain is the Jaguar who never even speaks, but just the way that they animated the Jaguar, it makes him seem just like so evil. And it's a good villain for the first half of the movie when Tarzan is kind of coming into his own. And then 
Clayton, I think villains are some of the most important characters in movies in general. And Clayton is a, a great villain as far as like, oh, he's not all that bad and at the beginning. But as the movie goes on, you just start to hate him even more. And that fight scene at the end, it's it's not like... Oh yeah, they got the ba- they got the bad guy. He fell into a hole, and you don't see what happens to him. You see him hanging there, <laughs> and it's like a a very intense ending for the villain. So I, I enjoyed Clayton's character as well as the Jaguar. Yeah, if we did a countdown of like top five most brutal villain deaths, It'd be up there. This would be up there. Yeah, as well as the when Tarzan kills the Jaguar, like that's a great shot too of. You know, I mean, I've seen it a bunch of times, so I know that the Jaguar's shoulder blades moving up as he's lifting him up is actually Tarzan. But just the way they animate Tarzan there, like coming up, carrying him and just like seeming so like tired, but also like this is his moment to shine, to protect his family. Like that just shot of Tarzan lifting the Jaguar's body is really awesome, too. Yeah, the animation in this movie is some of the best we've seen. It's interesting. I was talking about Glenn Keane earlier. I mean, I just can't imagine animating something like the Tarzan character, but it's also really cool how if you watch the credits of this movie, and they've done this a lot recently, I just, I'm just mentioning it, mentioning it now. When they list the characters, they don't do a cast list where they just have like character, voice, character, voice, character, voice. They list the characters and above the voice of the character is the person who animated that character. And so the animators are really the stars of these movies. And I think this one, just above a lot of the more recent ones, is just so impressive what they're able to do with the movement and the motion and the combining these hand-drawn characters with, like we mentioned, CG-created environments. Some of, some of the shots that they have in this movie are incredible, like the movement and the geography covered in like continuous takes. It is is just another level of what they've been able to do and certainly aided by computers, but that doesn't, that does not negate the work of these guys. Glenn Keane on Tarzan, Ken Duncan on Jane, Russ Edmonds on Kala, um, John Rippa did Young and Baby Tarzan, Mike Surrey on Turk, Mike Surrey also did Timon in Lion King, uh, Randy Haycock on Clayton, and it goes on and on and on. When I talked with Tony Bancroft, who worked on Pumbaa and Lion King, he he was he mentioned how nowadays they don't do that uh, with, with CG. They just kind of say, "All right, you animate this scene, go." Whereas back in the day on these movies, it was very important who who animated what character because certain people specialized in certain types of characters, certain moods of characters. Some guys did funny characters, some guys did serious characters, some some guys did villains, and it's just this movie has just stepped it up a notch. A lot of it kind of focuses on the smaller spaces just because they're surrounded by like tall, you know, bamboo shoots and trees and stuff. But when it when it does open up to like bigger spaces, it's really impressive The how the backdrops look. Yeah, the establishing and transition shots and the landscape shots are pretty unreal in this movie. Definitely a definitely a precursor to what we have now, but with with full CG movies, but honestly, I'd prefer this method if they went back to it.
we need to talk about the music in this movie because as we've discussed it is one of the most important things Kanan, what's your favorite song on this soundtrack oh um definitely turk's song in the camp where they actually are singing so that's kind of funny how they don't sing most of the songs but then they do kind of break out into the song and dance I, I just love how the different instruments and the sounds that they come up with to make this song just like really blew my mind. Like they played almost every single thing in that camp as an instrument and there was different sounds and noises for every single one of them just constantly changing and shifting throughout the course of that track it is more of that classic like disney music experience and so that kind of i really enjoy that I mean, I really enjoy all the Phil Collins tracks. Probably you'll be you'll be in my heart probably the most, just because it's it is fairly sentimental. It's, it's touching. Kala being there for Tarzan, even though they're not, you know, even the same species. It's just it it really is kind of cool. I forgot that they had the parallel between her losing her baby at the beginning. And then the humans, I guess, them dying. But I, did, I forgot that her baby had been killed <laughs> I by totally the jaguar. I totally forgot that, too. I was like, oh, you know, like, that just happened. I think, like, montage scenes can be, like, a lazy storytelling method. Just like, oh, skip over these 10 years. Um, and they do it twice in this movie when Tarzan is growing up similar to, like, Lion King. You know, you, you just skip from age nine to age 20 and then also when tarzan is like learning to be human with with the human camp yeah that's a cool sequence though but i think what makes those montages great is phil collins in the background they're so enjoyable just because the music is so awesome playing in the background and all the all the lyrics that he's saying are going along with the story like you said he's kind of the narrator for the movie and that's especially it works really well during those montage scenes They're almost like little music videos within the within the movie where it's kind of like, it just busts into a different mode. And it, it happens kind of at the beginning of the, of the movie too, where they, they're setting up the context. Like there's a lot of information that's presented in a short amount of time with Phil Collins singing. And it's really understandable and really like done in a good way and also the animation is is done specifically to keep your eyes moving from from one thing to the next when they kind of like transition especially at the beginning when they transition and they compare it's kind of comparing the lives of Tarzan and his family with Kerchak and Kala and their uh kid at first it's it really does feel more like music videos at that in those moments which i honestly thought that stuff felt kind of weird. Really? Like for the, for the movie to just start with some, some random dude singing. Like if you didn't know who it was, if you, you know, if you, you just come in blind and it's just like, they, they've never done that before. Like had some narrator singing a song about what's going on as the movie starts. That's not actually a character in the movie. 
Right. Also, what I thought felt really weird was "You'll Be in My Heart," which is a great song, and the the monkey mom Kala starts singing it, and it's quite endearing. Come stop your crying, it'll be all right. Just take my hand, hold it tight. And then, like fifteen words in, it transitions to this ambiguous man singing the rest of the song. <laughs> For one so small. You seem so strong. And then it doesn't go back to the monkey singing it. Like right, there's right. no like conclusion to that. Like I guess I mean it's either way it wouldn't really make sense. But the fact that she begins and then all of a sudden this other voice comes in becomes the voice of the monkey. Like honestly doesn't really make sense. I watched the behind the scenes of Phil Collins talking about making this music just before we recorded and that was the goal. Each song is like speaking as each one of the characters. So that song is supposed to be like the voice of the mom. Then yeah. there's a song that's the voice of Tarzan. There's a song that's the voice of, I don't know, maybe a couple of them are Tarzan. But I mean, he that was the goal to be the voice of sure. the mom. So that, that transition makes sense. Sort of. The songs are great. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying they're not good. I just think watching this the first time in a long time, a lot of that felt very weird. It's, it is very different than the the other Disney movies. You know, and we're on movie number 37. Yeah. You're used to You're used to a standard. And I'm surprised they went that direction. I mean, if, if Tarzan seemed like it was a hit, but it doesn't seem to have that, like, grasp on pop culture as Beauty and the Beast, Lion King. I mean, Disney's not remaking it. And so I wonder if that, like, this different format, whether consciously or subconsciously, you know, didn't necessarily work exactly how they wanted it to. I prefer this version of songs with lyrics way more than like the musical version of characters singing. I've mentioned I I don't like how in a lot of Disney movies like big crowds of people are singing like musical format. I don't enjoy that as much as you, Mike. And so this this is a good change of pace for me. It just doesn't make any sense. Characters in movies singing makes no sense. This <laughs> makes way more sense. Just have like yeah, a narrator say, singing it, it thing. Would it make sense if like if there was like a fleet of monkeys all singing a song in choir. Well, it doesn't make sense that Tarzan can grab a falling woman with his foot. True. We have to suspend our disbelief. We have to suspend right. our disbelief. That's, and that's what you do with musicals. And musicals do a good job at like naturally getting you into songs. True. These, some of these, I, especially that right off the bat at the beginning, it does kind of seem a little forced. I would call this a musical as well. And I don't think having a random narrator singing works as well as having characters sing. That's what I'm trying to get at. But I'm not trying to downplay these songs because the songs are great. Maybe it is be just because it was, it is different and it's kind of refreshing, but I kind of agree with David where I kind of enjoyed the, the fact that there wasn't as much of the, of the classic busting out into song and dance. That being said, I really did enjoy trash in the camp. And when that, kind of does actually happen in the movie for one scene but it just kind of feels like natural yeah i guess like the purpose of a song in a musical is when it gets to a point in the story where there's so much like emotion that the only thing they can do is break out into song you use the song to grow the character in their own voice ariel wants to go see where the people are and so she sings a song about it simba just wants to be king and it's such an exciting thing that he sings a song about it yeah you know, i could i could probably rattle off 50 examples of that from disney movies and like 
the only one in this one where they sing is the trash in the camp. There's there's no lyrics. <laughs> uh, lyrics: Shooby doop, dobby, dob, yeah, right. dobby. Yes. <laughs> if you look at the list of movies and kind of where this fits in with Disney movies, it's definitely in that transition from like musical era to non-musical era. Fantasia is kind of where they got all of their music out of them. And then the next ones are Dinosaur, Emperor's New Groove, Atlantis, Lilo and Stitch, Treasure Planet, Brother Bear. Like a ton of them after Fantasia aren't musicals at all. So Disney was definitely in a transition period on like the style that they wanted to do with the music. Yeah, I feel like none of those ones you just listed were near as successful as the previous six. That's true. Seven, eight. So, and also there's no way that guy could have built that treehouse. Yeah. That was an amazing treehouse. Amazing treehouse. Yeah. <laughs> it showed all the wreckage from the boat on the beach. So at least he got the wood planks well, I get from the that, boat. But to lug it all the way up there and then can and then put it all together with no tools. It was a cool treehouse. It was a cool sure. treehouse. And that that sequence where Kala is saving baby Tarzan yes. from the Jaguar is amazing. It's great. And I love how they were able it's a very intense, but they're able to mix in humor. The la- the laughing baby. Yeah to like alleviate that yeah it was brilliant i thought that that opening sequence was was very 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 well done as was most of the action in this movie so uh let's let's wrap this up kanan we need a rating system specific to tarzan Anything you want, as long as it's out of some sort of number, or else David will, his head will explode. So what do you got? Elephant hairs. Mm. How, how many? Oh, out of 10 elephant hairs. Okay. I'd give it an eight. Closing thoughts? Really fun and exciting movie that has meaningful themes and surprisingly powerful moments. Cool. David, out of 10 elephant hairs, what do you give Tarzan? Hmm. Do you keep a spreadsheet of all your scores or are they all just in your head? Just in my head. <laughs> That's the problem. I don't remember them all exactly. Um, I think I would give this a 9.4 wow. out of 10. That's a high score for David Rolfing. Can, can you even yes. get a point, point 0.4 of an elephant hair? Yeah, you just break it, break it up a little bit. Uh, closing thoughts. I love every character in this movie. There's not a single character that like even... I don't remember. I can never remember their names. Even the elephant and is it Whoopi Goldberg or Rosie (laughs) Rosie O'Donnell? (laughs) Even Rosie O'Donnell's character, I think, brings some good humor to the movie, which we didn't really mention. Um, I think that Tarzan and Jane's relationship is unique compared to a lot of the romances in Disney. And it's it's very cute. And it's actually kind of it's believable, like why they would fall in love. They skip over a lot of it in that montage scene, which so that's that's a little disappointing just because you don't get to see that big chunk of them spending time together. But um, I like their relationship. I really liked the villains, like I mentioned. And then just like the overall pacing and story is great. Lots of emotion, intense scenes. Yeah, nine point, they say four? Yeah, elephant hairs. Mike, what is your rating? Out of 10 elephant hairs, I think this is like a 7.5. The animation's amazing. I didn't. I wasn't like as captivated by the movie as I expected to be in a lot of parts. I thought the action sequences are great, but I found myself bored in some parts. Despite you guys talking about how much you like the pacing of the movie, but that's just me. Uh, Glenn Keane's a star. 
the music is good, but feels out of place. 7.5? I think I'll leave it at that. So with that, we will end this show. Kane and Smith, thank you so much for joining us on Disney One by One. Thanks for having me. And David, it is a pleasure as always. Gorilla! <laughs> you should have just gone, hop! I did that on last episode, I think. Oh, you did? You said next week we have Tarzan, and I said, hop! Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Gorilla is my favorite line from this movie. And next week, we have Fantasia 2000. Can you guess what year it came out? What do you mean? Is this a joke? <laughs> All right, never mind. And next week, we have Fantasia 2000. From the year 2000, we've entered the new millennium. Or does the new millennium start in 2001? I never remember how that works. All right, we'll see you then. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Disney One by One podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, send us an email to Disney1x1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Disney1x1 and at Disney1x1.com. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Disney One by One podcast. And they brought on another guy named Dave Reynolds who was brought on strictly to add comedy. I thought Whoopi Goldberg was that person. What? Didn't Whoopi Gold? Doesn't she play the female gorilla? Rosie, o- Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg is the hyena in uh, Delight. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. <laughs>